freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Freedom for the people, for humanity and all mankind, that is what, what on earth is happening is all about. That's what you're going to hear about on this show, as always. Welcome, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Thanks for tuning in today. Today is Sunday, December 11th, 2011. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, of course, oraclebroadcasting.com. We have an information-packed show for you here today. We are going to be continuing with our ongoing discussion about solutions when it comes to the deteriorating condition of human consciousness in our world, how we can repair and redirect this situation that we are ensnared in right now. And uh, we're going to be talking about worldview healing as one of the primary and foremost solutions that we can employ to help turn humanity around and set it back in the right direction, morally and spiritually. So that's coming up on the show today, worldview healing. I want to thank Jan Irvin and Bob Tuscan for the uh, fantastic show that we did last week with both of those gentlemen. We discussed the trivium. We uh, really got into um, uh, logical fallacies a little bit with Jan and uh, and Bob there. And um, uh, Richard Grove contacted me uh, during the week um, to uh, offer some additional information. If you go to the podcast section of What on Earth is Happening, you'll see with last week's podcast, show number 87, I posted some related links and documents along with the show uh, that uh, Richard Grove had sent over to me. So I want to thank him for doing that. And it's it's great information. Um, Also there, you'll find links to uh, Jan and Bob's websites as well. So that having been said, before we get into uh, the uh, first break here, I do have one quick event announcement, and that is for the free monthly documentary screening and discussion night that is hosted by Truth, Freedom, Prosperity here in Philadelphia. Uh, This past uh, weekend, we just actually 
Friday night, we just had our networking social, and it was a packed house. It was a great turnout. A lot of uh, liberty-minded individuals turned out, and we had some great discussions and shared some good food. It was a good time. Um, Wednesday, December 28th, right in the middle of the, uh, the holidays there, at 7.15 p.m., Wednesday, December 28th, 2011, at Media Bureau Studios. They're hosting the movie Thrive. What on earth will it take? A great documentary uh, that is uh, brand new that has just been put out there that exposes the entire control system and uh, the suppression of free energy as well. So come on out to Media Bureau Studios Wednesday, December 28th for a free documentary screening of Thrive. For more information, visit truthfreedomprosperity.org. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. This is What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Again, my website is whatonearthishappening.com. And I'd like to direct everyone's attention up to whatonearthishappening.com to the radio show tab. Again, the website was very slightly modified as far as the uh, look and feel goes over the last uh, week or so. Uh, because I upgraded the content management system. I had announced that last week. It went very smoothly. The site was only down for about a minute during the transition. And, um, you know, uh, there's a very slight changes to the user interface, namely in the, uh, in the tabs and slight color changes. And there is um, new uh, audio player on the podcast section. People will probably have noticed that. Uh, the site seems to be working just fine. I also mentioned last week if anybody sees any problems with it or noticing anything working as it uh, should not be, please uh, uh, don't hesitate to send me an email and let me know. That having been said, on the radio show page of whatonearthishappening.com, underneath the player, you will see images for today's show and then a series of links, of numerical links, that if you click on it will bring up a slideshow. Uh, these are the images that are going to go along with the talk today, and uh, you can click on those, bring them up, and follow along uh, with the images there on the radio show page. So, what we are going to be talking about today is, of course, solutions. And ongoing on the show, this is basically what we will be talking about from here on out, because we've really analyzed the problem. We've looked at mind control extensively over pretty much a uh, a, over a year period, we went into the methodologies of mind control. So we've really fleshed that out in vivid detail for people to understand what the uh, technologies of the mind that are being used against us are. The in-depth knowledge of the human psyche that this controller class, this occult controlling class has over the human population now we're really we've been talking about how to get out of this mindset, how to get out of mind control. We looked at natural law as the first and overarching solution. The without an understanding of natural law, again we are navigating blind. We need to understand how moral law functions. 
Secondly, we started looking into the trivium and quadrivium, and that's what we pretty much wrapped up last week with our interview with uh, Jan Irvin and Bob Tuscan, and we talked about one of the important aspects of the trivium method, which is identification of logical fallacies. And again, this is so critical because it's a way of applying apophysis. We talked about apophysis, and we're going to talk about it again today a little bit when we get into the subject matter uh, that we're going to explore today for worldview healing. But um, apophysis is uh, removing the negative so that we get to that which remains as the essence of a thing in order to know it. So it's uh, obtaining knowledge by removing that which something is not identification through the negative, through looking at the negative, the opposite of what something is, the, the things that and qualities that something is not in order to understand that which it is. This is the process called apophatic inquiry. And we looked at that pretty extensively when we were um, uh, analyzing natural law, its principles and its manifestations. So, um, Apophysis is going to be revisited here today on this show as well when we start to talk about the tangible grassroots solutions of which worldview healing is the very first. So um, I call this entire section and in my presentation and talks, I generally call this the way out, the way out. There is a way out of the situation that we're in. That, the, that is called the human condition. And we can create a new human condition, something that is extremely better than the conditions that we are living in now. We simply have to know that that is possible and then take the necessary steps because, yes, there are requirements for doing that, for moving into a more positive future. And then we have to actually enact take action based on what we know and based on what we understand is required to make that great change happen. So, yes, there is a way out. That's number one. And that's the first slide is a picture of a man and woman holding hands and walking through a stargate of sorts, uh, a nice symbolic painting there that I used for the slide in my presentation uh, in the section called The Way Out. So if we look at slide number two, image number two on the radio show page, we will see there the grassroots solutions for change as I see them and as I have outlined them. Of course, there can be many others. These aren't, you know, the definitive, this isn't a definitive list by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a good start. Ten very specific and implementable methods for creating change in our lives. These are things that can be done. They're not pipe dreams. They're not impossibilities. They are all possible. So I'm going to just read the list. We're not going to be getting into all of these today. The, uh, you know, Probably one show will be dedicated to each one of these, if not more than one show. So here they are, the grassroots solutions for real and positive change in our world. Healing our worldview, which is what we're going to talk about on the show today. That's number one. Two, a change in the quality of our attention. What do we pay attention to? 
Who do we listen to? What kind of information do we take into ourselves? Number three, developing true present moment awareness. We're going to touch on this today, but we'll do an entire show about what true present moment awareness is and how to acquire it. Number four, changing our diet, getting onto the right nutrients, the right foods, and the right mental food. That's part of changing the quality of our attention. It goes hand in hand with the change in diet, very much still within our control. The dominators are trying to take that modicum of control away from us, but right now we still have a lot of control over what we eat, okay, if we have the necessary information in hand. Okay, number five, detachment from the monetary system. That's a very difficult one on this list, but to a certain extent, it is plausible. It is doable. We are capable of contracting ourselves away from the monetary system and its influence over our lives, but most of all, the influence that it holds over our minds. So we'll be getting into that. Um, Number Six, the non-support of dominators, one of the most important solutions. Again, also having to do with the way that we see things and the way that we see people's playing certain roles in society. And whether we accept that as just the way things are or if we understand certain roles as fundamentally immoral and we speak up about that, we'll list the remaining solutions and then start to get into worldview healing on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were listing the methods for creating real and positive change in our world. We were on, uh, I believe, number six, which was the non-support of dominators. And we'll be getting into uh, this on a future show on how to approach discussing the issues that we've been talking about in regards to morality with people who are in positions that basically are based on violence and immorality to help them decide to get out of that way of being in the world and to start taking up right livelihood as they refer to it in Buddhist tradition. So number seven is to develop true mindfulness, becoming the watcher of our own actions. And this is where meditation comes in and contemplation comes in very, very handy in understanding what is true mindfulness and how do we develop it. Uh, Number eight, the use of entheogens in a conscious context, very critical, that caveat in a conscious context. Entheogens are otherwise known as psychedelics. Uh, This is a traditional methodology of shamanism, which we're going to be talking about today a little bit, shamanism. And um, these substances are not toys, they're not jokes, they're not things to be played around with, 
but if they are used in a conscious context for the purpose of consciousness expansion, they can act as guides and they can act as teachers uh, to, for us to develop a higher state of awareness. Now, number nine is the power of positive thinking and remaining in a positive thought modality. And this is one I struggle with the most on this list myself. Uh, this is something I continually have to attempt to practice and not fall into extreme negative thinking um, because of the level of darkness that we are currently ensconced in. And it's it's not funny. It's not a joke. It's quite sad, as a matter of fact, when you see how devastated the consciousness of the people of this planet really, really is, uh, you know, collectively and in, on an individual level. Um, but this is something I do know that needs to be practiced, and I attempt to do this as much as I possibly can and try to um, um, resist the temptation to fall into negative modes of thought because really that's pretty much wasted energy. Now, I do understand that that is what needs to be done. Do I struggle with it? I always struggle with it. So that's probably my most difficult one on this list personally. The tenth and final one is once we have the picture, when once we have acquired the big picture of what is taking place around us and we do understand what the solutions are, we have a responsibility to speak that information and carry that information forward so that others may also partake of it. So we have a responsibility to assist in the awakening of others. And people will say, well, that's not your responsibility. Nonsense. New Agers will sometimes tell, you know, make that claim. It is the responsibility of the Awoken to help wake up other people. And people will say, well, sometimes people don't want the information. And I've also refuted and disagreed with that. They will say that they don't want this information. But if you truly understand that this information is the only thing that can alleviate suffering, it is that which alleviates suffering in our lives. And the, the individual you're talking to will say to you, will answer the question, do you wish to continue to suffer? Do you wish to continue to live in a world that is going down a path of suffering ever deeper and into more deeper and fuller expressions of suffering? That person will inevitably always answer the question, absolutely not. I do not want to suffer. I don't want to experience harm and suffering. That very answer implies that they do want this information, whether they will consciously tell you that they don't want it or not. So in other words, they're lying to themselves when they say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to understand that. I don't want to know about that. And we're going to talk about this concept of lying to the self today when we talk about initiation. So these are the 10 basic methodologies for creating real, lasting, and positive change in our lives and in the world at large. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today, what this show is going to be about, is worldview healing. And I've depicted this as a tree with rays of light coming through it, the tree of life, you could call it, okay? Uh, the original tree of knowledge, okay? Um, this represents life and power and the life-giving essence of the sun, which you see the rays coming through and bathing the tree in its brilliance, 
Okay, so it's a great image for the healing of worldview because this is what we have to turn ourselves into, a tree of knowledge and a tree of life. And what the traditional method of worldview healing has generally been called throughout time is shamanism. Okay, shamans are way seers. The word shaman actually means one who sees in the dark. I would give an even better definition for what a shaman is than even one who can see in the dark. I would say it's one who can see through the darkness to the light. And as such, he is one who sees in dark times. When the rest of the consciousness has gone dark, the shaman is still a light. And he can see through the darkness so that he can help to assist in guiding his people, who he recognizes as one with himself, out of that place of darkness and to the light. So a shaman isn't necessarily tied to a specific set of techniques. Shamanism is techniques that are used toward worldview healing as a whole. That's what the whole branch of healing called shamanism is. And those methods could differ depending on time, place, and circumstance. So to say that someone can be a shaman in the modern world and not employ techniques that may have been used in the ancient world by shamans is accurate. I mean, Shamans don't necessarily have to use the techniques that have been used of old, what we would call classical shamans, okay, or maybe a paleo shamans. There's a, a concept called uh, a neo shaman, okay, which is a shaman of the modern world. And I would consider myself a shaman. And I don't think that's an egotistical claim to make. It's, it happens to be that I am able to see through the deceptions and lies of the dominator culture of, that is currently ruling this world under the paradigm of beliefs that people hold, that, that keep it there, that keep this domination system in effect. I, I can see through that darkness and to the light, to the truth. And I am acting in the capacity to be a way shower for others so that they can make that shift in consciousness and that shift in paradigm. So that they can usher a new and positive world into being. So that's all shamanism really is. It is methods for worldview healing. Techniques. And a shaman is someone who knows how to employ those techniques. He knows what they are and he knows how to use them. So, you know, some people make shamanism as something so much more mystical than it actually really is. But the key thing that makes somebody a shaman is they're taking action based on their knowledge. Just knowing it does not make one a shaman. Doing it does. And assisting others to bring that knowledge into themselves and to start to become a shaman. A shaman always has stewards who he's training and helping to become as knowledgeable as he is. We'll pick this up on the other side of this break. We'll be right back, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. 
This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We're talking about worldview healing on the show today as the first grassroots solution for creating real and lasting and positive change in our world. And this is very much an internal process, something that really needs to be done on a one-to-one basis. We have to do this with ourselves. It's an inward journey that is made to create worldview healing. Yes, there can be guides like shamans along the way, but ultimately this is work that we, each one of us does for ourselves. So uh, slide number four showed a generalized image of uh, a shaman uh, as depicted perhaps in the Native American culture. And uh, I described it as being one who can see through the darkness so that he can lead his people in dark times to the light. Uh, Image number five in the slides on the radio show page of whatonearthishappening.com brings up the concept of initiation. And this is what worldview healing really is. It is the very beginning of the journey in consciousness. This is the classical methods of initiation as given by some of the most ancient mystery school traditions. Okay? Initiation means beginning. And as I've said, the occultists, the dark occultists that I happen to fall in league with and work with in the past had a name for the people that they considered completely unconscious. And it was not the lower level uh, occultists, the lower level dark occultists that used this term. They generally referred to people who were unconscious and not doing anything as the dead. And I've said that many times on this show before, a horrible, uh, phrase to call living beings, but that is what lower level dark occultists generally refer to the normal population as, the dead. The higher level occultists do not refer, do not usually use that term, at least in circles I was in. They used a a more cryptic term that I didn't understand what it meant for many years after I heard it spoken and was left in a confused state when I heard it. They call people the unbegun. I've heard this many times in dark occult circles used to represent people who have not even started looking at any information that can get them out of the level of mind control that they are under. And that means one who has not started, the unbegun, one who has not gone through the process of beginning. They have not been initiated into a higher level of awareness or consciousness. So I understand the term now in hindsight. When, I, when it was said to me at first, I was like, unbegun, what is, he, what is this person talking about? But now I understand it. They're saying they're completely uninitiated. They have no idea the esoteric knowledge that we possess and that we're really ruling them through because we're using it as a tactical power differential advantage over people without that knowledge. So what is the process of initiation traditionally? It involves five basic steps. And of course, yes, this corresponds to the elements and spirit put together, the four physical elements and then the spirit. 
the traditional five points of the star, so to speak. Okay? Here they are, in no particular order. Now, some people will label these and give them an order. You have to work on all of these simultaneously. Okay? There is no specific order to say, do this first, then do this, then do this. These are things that you do all at the same time. While you're doing others, you work on the one specific one. Okay? Stop lying. Stop lying. And this is a hard one for most people. For me, this one hasn't been that difficult. Because when I encountered information to the contrary of what I previously thought, yes, it would take me a little bit of time to integrate it and to let go of the old, but I was generally able to do that quite smoothly. Did I have to say over and over again, I was wrong, I was wrong about that, I was wrong about that constantly? And I still find things that I'm wrong about and have to admit it. When new information comes to light to show me that I'm wrong about something, then you have to say, you have to be willing to say, I no longer think that that is accurate or true. I've come into some new information that has disproven this old information and I'm going to go where the truth leads. If you continue to hold on to the old information and tell yourself that it's true even in light of that new information, you're lying to yourself. And that's the key thing here. When we say stop lying, what it implies most of all is stop lying to yourself, especially to yourself. And most people can't get past that one. They keep telling themselves that things are a way that they are not, even when they can see that they're not the way that they claim that they are. They don't want to believe the truth. They don't want to accept the truth, really. That's what it really comes down to has nothing to do with belief because truth doesn't need to be believed. It needs to be discovered and known. The second step of initiation is to stop dreaming. And all of these have to do with worldview healing. Okay, these are, This is a, pr a process, an overarching process for the healing of worldview is becoming initiated into knowledge. Stop dreaming. And this doesn't mean stop thinking about positive of positive future that could be if we do certain things. It doesn't mean stop believing in yourself. It doesn't mean um, stop um, uh, using the imagination. Do not think it means that. that. That This is not what this is referring to. It means stop believing that things are a certain way when there is evidence to support the fact that they are not that way. Okay? Cognitive dissonance is what I call this. This is what has to be cut out. Cognitive dissonance is what we really need to stop. Get out of the psychological condition of, of cognitive dissonance. Holding two contradictory thoughts in your mind simultaneously when clearly you can see evidence to the contrary of the original belief system that you're holding. That's what, why you're in a, a trance or in a dream state, as most people are. The third step of initiation is learning how to think. Not what to think, but how to arrive at truth. How to think critically. And we looked at this over the last several weeks about the trivium and quadrivium methods. Okay? This is the process of how to think. 
grammar, logic, and rhetoric, or knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Information input, processing, and output. It's a methodology for how to think, how to accurately arrive at information processing and coming to accurate conclusions regarding that information, or in other words, how to arrive at the truth of any given subject. Four is live in the present moment. And again, one of the solutions I proposed in my list of 10 grassroots solutions was developing true present moment awareness. This is something we're going to get into in future weeks here on this show. And then five, activate the physical body. The body is the temple of the spirit. It is the vehicle for the spirit's inhabitation of the material realm. So it is not to be neglected. It is not to be hated. It is not to be uh, shunned or not paid attention to or not cared for. The body is just as important as the mind. They go hand in hand. There is a mind-body-spirit connection. And the body plays a critical role in that trinity as we're going to see today. So it's not to be neglected. It is to be cared for. It is to be respected. It is a temple, a living temple, inhabited by the spirit. So what we put into the body is of critical import. And we're going to be talking about what we should be putting into our body. We talked a lot about all the poisons in food, the, the pharmaceuticals that people put into their body, the artificial uh, ingredients in food, the pesticides, ca- chemical pesticides, food additives. We talked about you know the depletion and the nutrients of soil, the way um, factory farming depletes our food of nutrient density. In, on the shows that we did about food, the dangers of what's going on with our food system. We're going to get into the positive aspects of this and how we should nourish the body. And hand in hand with that goes the nourishment of the mind, in which we're going to talk about the change in the quality of attention, because activating the physical body most definitively deals with the care for the, for the brain and what we put into that. So those are the steps of initiation, traditionally, in the mystery schools. We're going to look specifically now at worldview healing on the other side of this break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Okay, everyone, we're back. This is What on Earth is Happening. The show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking about initiation in the last segment as a technique for worldview healing. Now we're going to talk about worldview healing itself and what this really means, what needs to be done to accomplish worldview healing. What is a sick worldview? What is a healthy worldview? We're on slide number six now for those who are following along in the images with the podcast or perhaps um, uh, if you're 
following along live on the um, images for today's show underneath the player at the radio page of whatonearthishappening.com. Image number six shows a chart of what worldview healing is all about. The middle of this chart is labeled worldview aspect. So what a worldview is is just what it says. It's the way we view the world. It's the way we view ourselves and our relationship to others in the world. And it's the way we, I I guess you could say it's the axiomatic view that we have of the world. An axiom is a fundamental underlying way of seeing something that we build everything else upon. It's a foundational view, a foundational vantage point. Okay, that's what you could call an axiom. So axiomatically, if we hold a very poisoned view of our world and our relationship to the people in it, our experience is going to become poisoned because that which is above is like to that which is below. The correspondence principle is in effect. So if our thoughts are dark, if our emotions are dark and poisoned and slanted toward the negative, that's going to color our own behaviors. And if that is done repeatedly on a quantum level, that effect builds up and builds up and builds up. And eventually, the world is going to be a dark, harmful, nasty, uncomfortable place to live, which it is rapidly becoming. Freedom is going to be taken away. There's going to be very little love or joy. People are going to just loathe being here at all, which already many do because of the worldview that is held by so many, which is completely dark and poisoned. And this is what the dark occultists want because they feed on this negative energy and their masters feed on this negative energy. They want people in a sick, poisoned worldview. That's what is creating the chaos that they manage so that they can come out on top and that we give our energy to them for being the savior and solving these chaotic problems as we talked about with chaos sorcery, problem reaction solution dynamics. What is a poisoned worldview? What is a healthy one? Well, there's three basic aspects of worldview. And the three aspects of worldview are our view of human nature, our view of our own value, the value of the individual. And this isn't just the self, it's the value of each individual in the world, every living being that dwells here. And finally, the third aspect of worldview is what is our view for, what is our view of the possibility for change? Do we think things can change? Or do we think it's etern- it eternally must be this way because it has been this way for so long? The views that we hold in our mind about these three aspects largely determined 
determine what happens both in our lives and in the world at large, depending on how many people hold a specific belief about these worldview aspects. So the first is human nature. We've talked about this on past shows. A lot of people see human nature as fundamentally damaged or flawed. This concept of original sin in religion, which is something we're going to be talking a lot about religion later on in the show. Do we see human nature as fundamentally flawed, that people are just inherently evil, and that's why what's going on in the world is the way that it is? Well, I would suggest that's an extremely poisoned, poisoned way of looking at the world and looking at the people in this world. They don't call it the human condition for nothing. It has nothing to, the world being the way that it is does not have to do with human nature. It has to do with the conditions that we have allowed to be built up around us through erroneous beliefs, or in other words, through religion, thoughts that ultimately hold us back, beliefs that hold us back, because they are just that. They are beliefs. They are not, it's not knowledge that came to us as a result for seeking of seeking truth, the desire to seek truth. So, if our worldview of human nature, our view of human nature, this one first aspect of worldview, claims that human nature is just completely flawed and dark, and people are just born bad, they're bad seeds, and they're always going to be like this, our behaviors are going to reflect that belief. And we're not going to really work to try to make anything better because we're convinced that it is a, a certain way by nature itself. Nature did not make man the way that man is right now. A newborn baby doesn't come into the world inherently flawed or evil. And yes, you could talk about genetic psychopathy, and we do on this show. And that is a, a caveat to the discussion of human nature. That is a genetic condition. Of, it is a problem within, it's a, a genetic condition within the genome of our species, such that a very small amount of people are born with a disconnect between the neocortex and the limbic brain, which makes a normal range of human emotions impossible for about 1%, maybe slightly more than that, of the human population. But that is not what is creating our entire human condition, that small, tiny 1%. Yes, psychopaths grow up and they try to basically influence the world such that they get what they want and they don't care about the re result of what they do to other people. But the problem is that they get people to believe in an erroneous worldview. They get them to believe in religions. They get them to believe in things that do not exist never have existed and never will exist, which we're going to talk about on this show today. Total illusions that do not exist that people believe in as a religion with their entire being and don't want to let go of. They don't want to admit that they were wrong about those things. They don't want to stop lying to themselves. One of the things we need to stop lying to our, ourselves about is that all of human nature is just fundamentally flawed and people are just bad and that they need to be controlled in order to be in order to ever act good 
What we need to do is shed erroneous ways of thinking, shed falsities, see through logical fallacies, and understand what the truth actually is. And the truth is that generally human nature is essentially fundamentally good. We have to understand that conditions in place influence people much more so than anything they inherently possess and come into the world with. Somebody who may come in with a, you know, a small amount of talent who is born into an extremely poor area and, and no, no money is available for ever even uh, funding any kind of artistic talent or musical talent might not ever really develop those innate qualities because of the conditions they come into the world embroiled in. Conditions play a much bigger role than any inherent qualities that we are born with. I've said before, in the debate between nature and nurture, it is largely nurture. Largely nurture. Which means our goal needs to be on working on changing the conditions that are around us so people can have the opportunity not to be bombarded mentally with all of this poison that surrounds us. Hey. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. Today on the show, we're talking about worldview healing as the first grassroots solution for positive change in our world. We were looking at image number six on the whatonearthishappening.com website on the radio show page. And we have here a chart of worldview healing show, showing the worldview aspect and then what a poisoned worldview or a healed worldview looks like. We were talking about our view of human nature as the first worldview aspect. And I was taking the position that it is largely conditions that determine how people react and behave. If we have conditions of manufactured lack and artificial scarcity, people are going to be living in an R-complex mode behavior because they're going to be on survival mode. And that prevents a higher level of awareness and consciousness. If, however, we create an environment of abundance where um, there isn't this suppression of advanced technologies that could take care of our energy needs. There isn't this uh, manufactured lack paradigm based on uh, money and differential of haves and have-nots. And we realize there is enough. We are already living in abundance, but these resources are just completely controlled due to the belief in money more than anything else and authority two things two religions we're going to talk about later if we pulled down that entire paradigm of scarcity and manufactured lack and fear and we put in conditions that reflect nature itself which is inherently abundant 
the human mind and behavior would change in rapid order. So that's what we have to understand is much more prevalent and determin- deterministic of the, the actual manifestations that play out in our world than is any thought about human nature. People generally want to get along, not bother anybody else, and live their lives. That's what human nature really is. It's not something that's inherently nasty or evil or completely flawed from the the onset, like this notion of original sin contends. So that's how we have to shift this worldview aspect. Our view of human nature has to go from God created us inherently flawed to human beings are generally good. But conditions are something we really need to understand and have a look at to understand how they affect human behavior. The second worldview aspect is our view of the value of the individual. And this is extremely important because what everybody seems to think their worth determines how they behave especially toward others. The kind of respect that is shown to maybe a psychopathic billionaire versus somebody on the street who may be out of a job, not you know, able to even have a house and might be an extremely wise person, but they might be living you know, on the street in tattered clothing and they'll be spit upon by people. When that same person will show incredible respect to someone who is stepping on other people's lives but has tons of of money in a nice three-piece suit and chauffeured around in a limousine. We'll talk a little bit more about the view of the value of the individual and worldview healing in general when we come back. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We were talking about our view of what the value of the individual is. As a part of worldview healing, how does this need to be fundamentally shifted and transformed? Do we really respect individual rights and sovereignty? How do we look at people's worth? Is it based on how much money he has, he or she may have? Is it based on the size of their bank account, the size of their house, the quality of their clothes, the kind of car they drive, the kind of social circles they hang out in? All of these are illusory. All of these are ephemeral and transitory. It has nothing to do with who a person really is inside, whether they are a moral being, whether they have respect for other people, whether they treat people with 
basic dignities and respect their natural law rights, their inherent natural law rights that are God-given rights. Our view of the value of the individual needs to shift away from seeing them as a number and seeing them as being worth however much money they may have to understand toward the view that understands that the value of the individual is infinite and can have no number placed upon it because that being is here as a result of the dynamic living intelligence of the creator itself. And as such, no limit can be placed upon that individual's value. That is how we heal the worldview aspect of what we consider the value of the individual to be. And that's very difficult for most people to do because they've been so conditioned and trained. So conditioned and trained to think that money is the only measure of value in this world because it's their religion. As we will see, money is their religion. Most of the people of this world worship money. That's their God. Their God isn't the God of creation. Their God is money. And that's what determines their entire belief and value system. So the third worldview aspect is to heal our view of the possibility for positive change. Most people will say, yeah, I understand that what you're saying is true and uh, I just don't think anything can be done about it. There's nothing I can do about it. That's just how the world is. I hear this all the time. That's how the world is. Powerlessness is in that kind of speech. There's no power there. That's somebody who's saying it's always been like this, it is this way now, it's always going to be like this. And that's not the case because we already looked at the determining factors of manifestation called natural law. The natural law principles and the natural law expressions determine what happens in our lives based upon ultimately our choices. But yes, there is the law of the laws of cause and effect. Deter, de, based upon what we choose, certain things will manifest. And they, it works like that flawlessly all the time. We choose fear, we'll have a manifestation that is governed by fear. We choose love, we'll have a manifestation that is governed by love. Natural law is always in effect, always working flawlessly. But that does not mean that we cannot begin to choose different and therefore create a difference in the manifestation. It doesn't mean we can't create powerful, positive change for the better by changing the quality of our thoughts and our decision-making process. Therefore, we're changing our actions, our behaviors, and if enough people do that, the external manifestation will change. For more information on how that works, go back and listen to the natural law section of this podcast. 
which we covered for probably a good 10 weeks on this show. So that's how we heal our, our, world, our worldview, by fundamentally shifting the way we think about these three concepts, human nature, the value of the individual, and the possibility for positive change. And yes, it is that simple. There's not really that much more to it. I'd recommend a couple of good movies about this. If you're into allegorical fiction, okay, the, our view of the value of human nature, I can't recommend any movie more highly, and I've said it in the past on this show, than the movie Trading Places that was directed by, um, or, or produced, I should say, by Aaron Russo, who sadly died a few years back, is no longer with us, but uh, he's certainly here in spirit, and he lives on through the great documentaries that he made, as well as the movie Trading Places, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, because it demonstrates exactly what I've been saying. People should watch it if they haven't seen it, or if you have seen it, watch it again with new eyes, and understand that this is these these old men in the stock exchange arguing about human nature, and they make this bet that they can take what. One of them bets that he could take one person and turn him in who's who's good and has a great life, you know, and is a, a, a stockbroker and turn him into a criminal and simultaneously take a, a bum off the street and turn him into a, uh, you know, um, a successful businessman. And he proves his point, you know, that conditions largely determine how a person will behave. Not every person. Some people are higher, more highly polarized toward a, a true north in the sense of morality. They have an active moral compass and even the conditions that surround them won't make them degenerate into behaving like an animal. That's what a stellar man is. So um, that's a movie I think it highly illuminates this talk of human nature versus nurture. And Aaron Russo knew more than he even let on. You could tell this man was initiated by what he understands and puts forward in his movies and in his documentaries. Um, regarding the possibility for change, I'd recommend the movie A Beautiful Mind and The Value of the Individual. This is about John Nash and his equilibrium theory in mathematics having to do with game theory that there doesn't have to be a winner uh, losers to be a winner that everyone can win out that everyone can get what they want and be happy without there having to be this power differential and winners and losers in the equation A Beautiful Mind is a great movie that illustrates that principle very well We'll be right back, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. 
We pretty much just wrapped up the section talking about the methods of worldview healing. And what I'm going to get into now deals with worldview healing. But if people can really understand what I'm about to lay out, it's going to be so powerful to understand how the manipulations of the dark occult priest class have been carried out over thousands of years in this world. And the deception is threefold. It's always threefold. There's a, there's a holy trinity and an unholy trinity, as we're going to be seeing. Okay, And ultimately, the deception that they are carrying out is based upon religion. But it's not what people consider religions, with an S, the world religions. Okay, we talked about world religions in the past as all being, having an, a fundamental astro-theological basis, while simultaneously containing seeds of truth that most people miss because they're so concerned with the exoteric cover story told about these religions. So... They have to get past that and understand the esoteric meaning of some of these cover stories so that they can get at the seed of truth that lies within. We'll get to that in a moment. But what I want to reemphasize is a slide that I showed back at the very early stages of this radio show and podcast about the body-mind-spirit connection. This is image number seven on the, uh, uh, if you're following along in the slides where I put a basic chart of spirit, mind, and body in that order. As you could see, spirit is at the top. You could look at this as the highest fundamental aspect of life in general. And then body is on the bottom because it's dense, it's, it's three-dimensional, it exists in the physical plane. So I labeled body the yang or the masculine aspect of this, which reaches up toward the spirit. And I labeled spirit the sacred feminine or yin aspect of this, which, which comes down to meet the body on the pl in the plane of mind, which is in the middle. It's this middle ground or this middle space. Every single problem that exists in this world, okay? Now, you could, you could leave naturally occurring issues out of this, earthquakes, hurricanes, tidal waves. Some people would argue that's even connected with this because... The earth is a consciousness itself, and it may be responding to the type of consciousness the people upon it have uh, and are put, injecting into the earth's morphic, uh, morphogenetic field, okay, which can maybe arguably create certain conditions uh, in the natural world. But let's leave natural disasters out of this for a moment, okay, and talk about man-made problems, Things that are created by man that cause suffering in the world all start at the level of mind. Therefore, all solutions that are ultimately effective toward eliminating and alleviating suffering must have to do with the change in mind. And a change in mind is not really possible unless you know how the mind functions, unless you have knowledge of the human psyche and how it works, which is essentially 
knowledge of psychology, the psyche, the knowledge of the psyche. And as I've said many times, that's what the occult world is and always has been. It is ancient knowledge about how the human psyche functions. And if you can amass that and hoard it and keep it sequestered from a number of people, you will always have a power differential advantage over them because you know more about how the mind functions and therefore you can easily create deceptions and manipulate people at the level of mind. If you just try to rule them out right at the level of body, they're going to know that they are slaves and that they are under direct control and eventually, in short order, rebel against that physical control. Spirit, you're not going to rule anybody at the level of spirit because spirit is is undifferentiated oneness that cannot be controlled. And ultimately, that's what we are, but we have so many blinders on and so many levels of veils and and deceptions and things that we believe in that are completely erroneous and illusory that that spirit, that spiritual essence of ourselves is not showing through. We have spiritual blind spots everywhere as a species. The dominators, the dark occultists of this world always have to control the mind of the people. And that's why we spent over a year talking about mind control techniques on this show to expose what their techniques are. Now we're going to talk about how do you shift your worldview to understand that you are under mind control and therefore develop a desire to get out of that fundamental mind control. Most people don't think that they're under mind control. Most people don't think that they have a religion, even if they claim, oh, I I don't have a religion, okay? I'm not a religious person. They have a religion because there are two universal world religions, and they are both owned and controlled by the dark occult priest class because what all of the ways that hold this world back and keep it in a vibratory prison of low consciousness and lies and deception is religion. And I don't mean the world religions. Yes, there are a small function in that and a waning function in the realm of the world of mind control. It still plays a role. It's not as powerful as it once was. World religion was the direct method of mind control of the old world order. Now, this is not a function that is as favored to control the minds of people because one, it's very fractured and there's many world religions. And I have a picture in slide number eight of the three big world religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And on the right-hand side in image number eight, I show that religion comes from the Latin word religare. And yes, it does come from this word. I'm so sick of the arguments against this. This is where the word religion comes from, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, it does not come from legere, which means to read. It's not relegen, relegion. Okay, that's not what the word religion is. It's with an I. It comes from ligeo ligere. Ligare, I should say. 
which means to tie. So religare, putting re, the prefix re, in front of ligare means to tie back because re is back or again. Religare means to hold back, to bind. And that is where the word religion comes from, the Latin word for binding, because it is occult, magical binding. Or if, if you prefer to not use the term magical in place of, you know, dark magic, it's sorcery binding, you could call it. Dark magical binding. That is where the word religion comes from. It means to thwart or to hold back, to tie back, to bind, so that forward progress is not possible. What forward progress? The forward progress toward truth, toward higher consciousness. We'll look at how religion serves that function on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everyone. Going to continue to power through this information because we only have a couple of segments left. I probably won't be able to get to any calls today, so let's uh, hopefully uh, next week I'll be able to take some calls on air. Religion is what we're talking about. and we're, I'm getting ready to lay out what we really need to pull back from which is all of the world universal religions. And I'm not talking about Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, etc. I'm talking about the real universal religions that regardless of what anyone claims is their religion, meaning in the exoteric sense, what religion do you subscribe to as it's traditionally used, overarching belief systems that is based on falsity and things that do not exist, never have existed and never will exist that everyone largely in the world believes in and will rather die than stop believing in them. Easily given the choice, they will choose death rather than to abandon the religion of the two things I'm going to explain to you today as the two universal world religions. So religion is there to hold us back. And what, what is it there to hold us back from? Well, slide number nine shows this. It's there to hold us back from the truth. Religion is this outer layer placed around the esoteric traditions and the truth to hold us back from getting into that inner circle where we can then have access toward the methods of understanding for the truth which lies at the very center of the mandala. And this is done through exoteric stories intended for, exoteric means intended for or likely to be understood by the general public, current or popular among the general public, relating to the outside world from the Greek exoterikos, meaning outer or outside. It is the outside shell that is erected around the truth as a barrier. Also around the esoteric traditions because they have access in the inner circle to the truth 
esoteric means intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with specialized knowledge or interest from the Greek esoterikos meaning within or into. In the New Testament it is said according to the words of Jesus that the kingdom of God is within. We must go within to ourselves, change our worldview so that we can develop the mindset of the kingdom. That is where it lives and breathes. And we're not going to get to that by simply accepting exoteric cover stories based on astro-theological bases. Okay? We have to get go through the mystical traditions and even past that to get to the, the hardcore, the bullseye of truth as I have called it. And ultimately what that's all about is the self. And religionists will go wild with that statement and say, oh, it's not about learning about the self. That's how you get out of mind control, by studying the psyche, by understanding how the psyche works and functions and what the all of the manifestations of our thoughts are, what all of our desires are about, what underlies our fundamental behaviors and our motivations, etc., and that's what the dark occultists know, like the back of their hand, and most people have never looked into for a fleeting moment in their entire lives. And that's why they are under mind control. And that's why they're controlled by people who are chess masters in this game and are always going to be the master for as long as people refuse to look at the components and methods that the, by which the human psyche works. They're always going to have that tactical advantage over us until we go within and learn about the self. And that's what the Holy Trinity is actually all about. See, the exoteric cover story says that it's about these external deities or entities that aren't part of us. In the Christian exoteric tradition, it's the trinity of the Father, Son, and Spirit, okay? Uh, naturally, the sacred feminine or mother is left out of that equation for a very good reason because it's all about what we care about, okay? People don't relate this to us because they've been put onto the notion that this is outside of the self, the trinity, Image 10 shows what the real Trinity is about. We looked at this in practically on day one of this show. The mind-body-spirit connection, our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions, the three aspects of consciousness, thoughts originating in the mind, the creator of our experience, hence the creative principle or the father of what we create. Our emotions, an inward quality that work within us, the spirit in which we do things, hence the spiritual aspect of ourselves. This is the feminine or inward principle. It is the mother, the sacred feminine, the nurturer, which we have to develop care and the emotional intelligence and the emotional qualities to have give birth to desire to get out of this mess that we're in in consciousness 
And finally, our actions, which is the byproduct of our thoughts and emotions, or in other words, the child of our thoughts and emotions, the father and mother. And it's a male child because actions are what we do external to the self. We take actions in the world in which we live. It's not an inward process. It's an outward process. So this is the masculine principle or the sacred child who is male or the son. Now, the dark occultists know this and they've done a great job hiding this from people, this trinity. And hand in hand with hiding this true trinity from us with the exoteric cover story provided by world religions, which always have a trinity figure in it, holding people back from the real knowledge of what the real trinity is, okay? We have their methodologies for control, which is the unholy trinity as I call it. And this is image number 11. And if you really understand this chart, something so powerful will be opened in your mind. If you really understand the depth of mind control and how much wool has been pulled over our eyes, so to speak, how much we are hoodwinked, that every aspect of our lives is a deception and a lie, just about what we are living in, this matrix of control. There is a father, a mother, and a child in the unholy trinity as well. One is the basis of the old world order. One is the mother that is going to give birth to the new world order, the basis for the new world order. And one is the new world order itself. And I don't mean the positive new world order that we're trying to create change toward, toward making happen in our lives meaning a world of truth, love, peace, freedom, prosperity, etc. I'm talking about this dark new world order that these dark occultists want to see come into fruition, which is a world of tyranny and enslavement. All of these things that I'm getting ready to talk about are all mind control, and they are all religions. All of them are religions, meaning things that hold us back from the truth. Now, the first, of course, is the father, the architect of the entire matrix, the controller of all of it, the puppet master. It's the priest class through which the dark occultists work, and that is religion. They are religious individuals. They, are, they have a religion. And as I've told you, I've explained what their religion is in the section on Satanism. I believe that was podcast number 71, if I'm not mistaken. If you go back and listen to that, that's what their religion is. I expose what this religion is, what its tenets are, what it is all about. I gave you books on it. I, told, I gave you articles on it. I gave you um, applications that they make people fill out with psychological profiling. I was a part of that religion, and I'm telling you, they call it the old religion. That is their name for it. They don't call it what you do or what I explain it to people as. They don't call it uh, Luciferianism or Satanism when you get into the people in the higher-up aspects of this. They call it the old religion. That is their name for their ideological system of beliefs. Okay? because they are the priest class of this religion. And this is the old world order. 
direct mind control through religion. I'm going to continue this on the other side. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. All right, folks, let's jump right back into this. This is the last segment for this edition of What on Earth is Happening. We're talking about this concept that I referred to as the unholy trinity. It is the basis for all forms of control over consciousness, thought control, emotional control, and bodily control, the control of our thoughts, emotions, and actions. We're talking about religion as the father of this trinity. It is the basis for thought control. And I'm not talking about just world religions. I am talking about the concept of religion, meaning to hold back, to thwart from forward progress, to tie back or to bind. That is what I'm referring to when I talk about religion here in all capital letters. Okay? It is the basis for mind control, for thought control, because it is the perpetuation of ignorance keeping people in a state of not knowing the truth. That's what it is. That's what it's holding us back from. In the meaning of the word, it holds back from truth. Okay? It is based upon belief or dogmatic belief systems, unquestioned beliefs, not for the search on the search for truth. That's not what religion is based upon. Ultimately, this father aspect of this trinity is controlled by a dark occult priest class that are satanic, that are luciferian, okay? They are the ultimate deceivers, the puppet masters of this world. Religion, which is their invention, is the essence of all mind control. And it is the basis for their old world order, which over thousands of years broke down and that's why they invented a new system probably starting around 10,000 years ago okay because that old world order was based on direct rulership under the divine right of kings of these kings that you know these beings that claim to be given power directly from God to rule over other people and that notion is no longer really accepted by people. Yet it has been replaced by two universal world religions, which are the bride of this father, this priest class, and then finally the child, which is ultimately going to bring in their new world order. The Antichrist, if you will, is this child. Okay? Money is the mother of this dark priest class father. The religion. Okay? Money is the mother. It is the feminine aspect. It is all about flow and energy, as we've already talked about. Okay? It is largely an internal process. It is largely an internal form of control because it's based, again, on belief. So this is, they're getting us to emotionally identify with the accumulation of money and being in fear if we are without it because we believe nothing can be done without this substance because so many other people believe that nothing can be done without it. 
which is all a lie, all a deception, all untrue. Money never has been real, isn't real now, never will be real. It's a a stand-in for energy, a proxy for energy, but it is not energy itself. You cannot eat money to get energy. Okay, yeah, you can burn the bills with some fire and use it for fuel, but the actual construct of money is not energy. It is a, a, a deception for energy. Again, it is something put in place of energy, a proxy. Food is energy. Water helps us to, to stay alive. Clothing keeps us warm. Fuels keep us warm and cook our food, etc. These are forms of energy. Money is, is a construct that exists only in the mind. And it, they get us focused on it emotionally. So it perpetuates apathy about anything that is real, anything that is true. We're focused on this illusory thing that doesn't exist. And I said, uh, I have a mistake here. I'll correct it. I'll correct the slide after the show. It should say the new God. I accidentally typed an S there. But the new God to which human beings now entirely devote their care, attention, and energy. Human beings worship money. This is their new God. This is the new God of the new world order. It is the ultimate religion. Because I... Even people who don't believe in the authority of man believe in money. This is a complete belief. And it is the ultimate religion to which people will eventually have to say through apophysis, this is not true. This is not what the truth is. I once believed that this was the case and now I am saying no to it. That's what apophysis means to say no. As I said, apophysis ultimately is the system of pulling back from all of these three things, this unholy trinity through which the dark force works in this world, through religion, money, and government, all of which are illusions, all of which. Money being the ultimate religion as the new invention of the father, the priest class the religionists who are really controlling the game as the puppet masters. Money is the basis for their new world order. Government is the child. It is the byproduct of these occult priests, these occult controller class, this occult controller class, and their bride, which is the financial system. That they have everybody emotionally focused upon and putting their attention and care and devotion toward making money, the fake money, the one eye in proxy of the real one eye, which is in the enlightened mind. Government, the child, is the enforcer for the occult priest class and their bankers, their brides, okay? It is about bodily control, whereas, money, whereas religion is about thought control and money is about emotional control, government controls actions of people. It perpetuates cowardice because people don't want to stand up to the entity that has been granted this monopoly on violence, which doesn't exist. You can't grant somebody the right to do a wrong because it's not a right, it's a wrong. Government is based entirely upon the erroneous belief in this concept of authority, the authority of man, which as we've already seen, derives from 
this original divine right of kings of this occult dark priest class, this Satanist and Luciferian dark priest class that claims that they are our rightful rulers because the gods gave them the right to rule over us. And this belief in authority is perpetuated by everybody that believes in the concept of government, which as we've already said, simply means mind control. Government is the violent enforcer for the father, the dark occultists, and the mother, the banksters, the financialists. And it is the implementation of their new world order. This is how this system of control works, and this is what needs to stop being believed in. This is how it fits into worldview. These things are part of our worldview. We believe in them as real. We identify with them and take part in them as a people. And that needs to stop. We need to say no. We need to employ apophysis and say no to these things. Why? Because they are all illusions. As you'll see in slide number 13, they're all illusions. None of them are real, and they never have been, and they never will be. Now, in slide 12, I've put a slide in there to show you that the dark priest class of this world, here we see a group of them at Bohemian Grove in 1904, as far back, showing this very principle in the painting behind them. They're artists in more ways than one. They're artists, okay? But look at this train of people, this, this line of people who represents the people of earth being controlled all the way at the rear end. You have bar, uh, hunter gatherers and then, uh, agrarians. And then you have the, the, uh, uh, the, the poor, and then you have the, uh, aristocracy above them. And then at the very beginning, at the beginning on the left hand side, moving toward the left, at the very front, you have the herald of the dark magician in his dark magician's hat and his coat, his robe with tails, okay, being shielded by his servant with the umbrella. And that is the religionist. That is religion. That is the dark occult priest class. Behind him is the banker carrying the briefcase full of cash. That's the money system, which is his bride. And then behind them, the strong man, which insulates and protects them from the rest of the unwashed masses. That is the government or the child of that unholy trinity. It's right there, laid out right before you for all to see by these dark occultists who attend Bohemian Grove yearly. Our worldview challenge is to stop believing in their illusion, which is the ill us I on. It's what ills turning the third eye on for all of us. That's all we have time for. The Oracle for. Broadcasting Radio Network is on a mission.